0: steve miles steve
1: don't hug me i'm scared
0: Uh, i wasn't planning on
1: it no no don't hug me i'm scared
0: i don't know what you're talking about
1: okay let me show you
0: by all means please do Time is a tool you can put on the wall or wear it on your wrist. The past is far behind us. The future doesn't exist. Oh, what's the time? It's quarter to nine. Time to have a bath. What do you mean? We're already
1: clean. Scrub,
0: scrub, scrub till the water's brown. Time is a ruler to measure the day. It doesn't go backwards.
1: Hello, friends of the podcast. I'm your host, Miles. And I am special guest appearance, Stephen. Yes, and welcome to Inconceivable Media. Today, we're going to talk about a neat little icon of YouTube and the internet. No one has. Don't hug me. I'm scared. This is a cute little almost kids show, but it's definitely not. And, uh, well, it's always had a special place in my heart. I decided to show Steve today. <laughs> so, let's start off by... Find you know who Steve is? Steve, what do you want to tell everybody? Hi everyone. Uh I'm Steven. I'm 42
0: years old. I've known Miles for maybe 15, 16 years. I uh live in Edmonton. I um do not watch shows regularly like Don't Hug Me I'm Scared. And uh through my friendship with Miles, I've been introduced to many shows like this. And I'm Surprised all the time that Miles does not drink or do drugs, but he still watches these TV shows. And the
1: latest edition was Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. But before this, I did show you another one that I have shown everybody else here. I believe that one was called Confinement. Yes, we did watch Confinement, and I have to say, uh, I'm a believer. I
0: thoroughly enjoyed Confinement. I believe I watched all the shows, probably uh, binge-watched them, and uh, it was highly entertaining. And dare I say, humorous and
1: feel good. That's good to hear. I'm glad you did enjoy those. Now, uh, let's go on to Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Uh, This is a very strange show. I just need to pull up some notes about this. Mm -hmm. I would
0: agree. It's certainly very strange. Uh, When you introduced it originally, you described it as a cute little show. I would disagree with you and say I did not think it was a cute little show. Matter of fact, I would say on some levels, it's a deeply disturbing little show. Cute in a sense, but deceptive when you say cute, because
1: it's not really cute. I'm using it in a uh, almost exactly opposite sense, you know. Mm. Uh, An ironic sense? yeah. Yeah. A cute little show. Okay, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared is a British web series created by Becky Sloan and Joseph Pelling. It consists of about six episodes, at least in 2011, and through the artist's website of YouTube and Vimo. The series combines segments of live action, puppetry, traditional animation, flash animation, claymation, other forms of animation, so on and so forth. So, this is a weird one, in the sense that it is trying to show a very important message because it does kind of take place to be sort of a kid's show. You know, it's trying to inform its viewers of something. Mm-hmm. And that message has been missed quite a bit, believe it or not. Um, some people say that the producers were too vague in their questioning. Or their uh, they weren't holding the hand enough of the, the viewers. Mm. Now, without spoiling anything, because we are still <laughs> not in spoiler territory, tell me. Did you initially get what they were trying to say? Uh,
0: Initially, to be honest, no, I did not get what they were trying to say. Um, I found the base emotions produced by watching the show um, were slightly disturbing and scary on a lot of different levels. So I missed a lot of the overt symbolism, uh, the underlying message, so to speak. Uh, like you said earlier, it's very reminiscent of TV shows we watched as children, like Sesame Street, and The Little Giant, and Mister Rogers, Mister Dress Up, Dooley the Dragon. I just Doo- remembered that name, Dooley oh. the Dragon, yeah, or Finnegan, Finnegan, yes. Yeah. So the whole the whole part of it what being about- set in a a child's like artistic display, it's not like a TV show you'd normally watch. Yeah. So it kind of sets you up for a certain comfort level and then it quickly changes to a discomfort level.
1: Fair enough. but uh, So you'd say this is kind of like uh, Candle Cove.
0: Candle Cove?
1: No? You don't remember Candle Cove? Uh, Candle Cove. It, it was an old one. If you don't remember, you don't remember. It's not a big deal. No, sorry. I don't remember Candle Cove. Uh, well, you may have to look that one up. Uh, <laughs> we'll get back to that. Uh, anyways, tell me, did you enjoy this show? it's
0: hard to say if I enjoyed this show or not. Um, On one hand, in one sense, I wanted there to be more episodes of it. I wanted to keep watching. It had really started to pique my interest. Um, On the other hand, uh, I found a lot of the show to really poke at deep, underlying,
1: uncomfortable issues. So this is actually referred to uh, by some people as class horror. Uh, And it's a Mm. horror that kind of disrupts the the status quo of what people think should be okay and what is right. Mm. So this is something that I would say that my mom would absolutely hate because she has this image of what the world or what her world should be. Mm -hmm. And this show will make her go, oh, okay. This is a, uh, something I can follow and something I can understand. And then it takes it and changes it, and that would make her very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I personally like this kind of horror. Mm-hmm. Then again, I like horror that's n- unconventional. I hate jump scares because everybody uses them. Agree. Agree. And now this is one of those ones where it's just like, here's a duck. <laughs> and here's why the duck is scary.
0: Yeah. Um, I'd have to agree with you in that sense. Like it, it was very horrifying. I think it produced a lot of existential horror and things that were wrong on a certain level, but you couldn't quite put your finger on. Um, it definitely is a horror class of its own. Um, terrifying on so many levels. I felt like when I was watching that, I was I was losing. Uh, i was losing agency over reality as well as the uh, feeling empathy for the characters who didn't seem to be able to control their lives they had no agency over their lives they were just moving along through madness um so i'd definitely say it, it was horrifying in that sense like a an existential psychological horror
1: sounds like anytime i visit my sister anyways <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh Let's move on into the, uh, the spoiler side of things. Okay. And, uh, in the meantime, (laughs) well, let's listen to something about creativity.
0: What's your favorite idea? Mine is being creative.
1: How do you get the idea?
0: I just tried to think creatively. Now, when you look at this orange, tell me, please, what do you see? It's just a boring old orange. Maybe to you, but not to
1: me. A silly face. Okay. So, welcome to the spoiler section here. Uh, let's get right into this. So, uh, let's start with the episodes. We're going to talk quickly about the first episode, um, talking where a notepad explains the concept of creativity. Tell me, you were taking notes while you were doing this, weren't you? I was. I had uh, never watched it before, and
0: I could tell by a super fast pace that it was going to change topics very quickly (laughs) so every time they change topics and you know in a six minute episode they change topics a hundred times they change focus they change topics they change the center of attention so to speak it's a very random show
1: it's a very quick paced show yeah it's very Um, it's
0: very quick paced show i
1: don't know if i'd say it's random it feels random because of how fast it's going Mm -hmm. but they are trying to condense a lot of information into a short period of time. Yeah. First of all, because they didn't really have enough money to be doing half an hour, 45 minute episodes. Even mm-hmm. 20 minute episodes are a pretty pretty big amount of change. Mm-hmm. But also, they didn't need the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to be horrified about what's going on, you have to feel like you need to speed up. It's like if you're walking with somebody and they're a really fast walker, this might be hard for you because you are such a tall person. Yes. Um, you have to feel like you have to keep up with them. So you're pushing yourself to be that fast. Yeah. And you're afraid of falling behind. And then, of course, they bring in some new information. And that makes you feel like you're being left out. And you're not keeping up. So you're trying to, your mind is subconsciously trying to pick up the pace. Yes, you're playing catch up through a lot of it. Yes, and without the mustard or relish. And they
0: have a very juvenile surface to it. Uh, of puppets and actors and claymation, so it sets your, modi- your, it sets your mind at ease. But then it quickly changes to very adult, adult mm, topics, and it throws you for a switch so so quick that you don't really know what's happening until it's happened. And again, you're playing catch up through it. Yeah, yeah. very fast paced. But I wouldn't say it's an adult.
1: Uh... You find yourself in more of an adult situation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not so much adult uh, concepts or that. Right. It's just that, you know, you're they're playing around with some glitter and stick it notes and stamps. And next thing you know, yeah. there's a heart in the center of that. And <laughs> the guy spelled death. And, and the clock's talking about time. And a, the duck is starting to rot away. And you don't know what's going on oh that
0: it escalates so quickly that's what i wanted to say many times while watching this was wow that escalated quickly
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, cue the gif of anchorman (laughs)
0: yeah
1: (laughs) kill the man you gotta lay low for a while (laughs) (laughs) so uh let's move on to episode two where a clock explains the concept of time yes now since we're talking about not being able to keep up How did you feel about this guy? (laughs) Uh, For some reason,
0: right off the bat, when that character was introduced, I I didn't trust it. And I was made at unease with its presence as soon as it showed up and was watching it on the screen. I didn't like something and I couldn't tell quite what it was about that clock. It really weirded me out. Um, and as the episode progressed, I felt like that was a very justified feeling <laughs> about that terrifying little animated character. No, he's, he's a puppet, right? Oh, um, would you say the clothes, a marionette? a marionette, a marionette. Yeah. A marionette. Okay.
1: Yeah. Not to be confused with Mary Antoinette. No, <laughs> but we really wish it, it was so. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to number three. The gang is about to go on a picnic, but then duck kills a butterfly thinking it's a bee. Mm. Yellow gets upset and runs away. He then finds another butterfly that explains how things could be better. A world of only love. Ah, yes. So when I watched this episode, I thought that it took all these classic,
0: beautiful lessons and morals from childhood. Like, uh, what did I write down? Love, healthy, spending quality time. Um, (laughs) And I found the love episode with the butterfly. Particularly, particularly disconcerting. Was this the episode with the raw chicken? Yes. Yes. Okay. So there was something about the raw chicken, the raw eggs, um, and the butterfly singing about love. Because here's your classic, classic moral message. Like, love is important, and you should try to find love. And then Twistly quickly turns it on its head and twists it around. And says you'll never be loved. <laughs>
1: no, no, it says Malcolm will never be loved. Malcolm, and will that's never be why loved. we worship him as our king, because uh. he is important, and we have to love him because nobody has. Mm. And then we feed him gravel. Mm. Is that a metaphor for like figureheads of state? Oh, wow, you got her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this does, of course, have to deal with religion and cultism. Mm. Um, One of my favorite shows that this totally reminds me of, and I don't know if I've ever shown you this one. It's a beautiful show known at, well, it's a movie actually, a documentary called uh, Jesus Camp. I have seen that. Yes. I believe I saw it on your recommendation like 10 years ago. (laughs) And uh, it very much reminds me of that uh, lovely little horror, Uh, I I guess you could say.
0: (laughs) Unquestioning devotion to religious and um, psychological figureheads. Well, when you put it
1: like that, it sounds bad. (laughs) It sounds... It's about (laughs) trusting your leadership. Trusting
0: the leadership blindly. Blindly, yeah, Stumbling along. Like you said earlier at the beginning, each one of these episodes has an underlying message of importance, um, but disguised in a certain way. It's almost like an onion that you slowly peel back to see what's on the inside. And Mm -hmm. I think that episode definitely had a lot of warnings about um, blind love, religion... Ideologies. Yep, I found that to be a, a warning against ideologies. I couldn't figure out what the deal was with the raw chicken, which for some reason just weirded me out right from the get go. As soon as they showed raw chicken that they brought on their picnic, I didn't quite understand, but somewhere deep inside me was like, "Ew, gross, raw chicken." <laughs> and anyone who knows me knows I love fried chicken. Fried chicken is one of my favorite things in the world. And for some reason, the the disgusting thought. So this is why the writers are so successful in this show. They're so successful because they take something that's it's just going to, like, disgust you on a certain level, but not overtly. It's not overly gory. It's not overly disgusting. It's just something as simple as opening up a pic- picnic basket and seeing a pile of raw
1: chicken. You're like, oh, gross. Especially like, with the backgrounds they have, because you're, like, you're expecting to watch a kids' show. Yeah. And it feels like it's a kids' show. And the next thing you know, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not for children. Why? Why is this here? <laughs>
0: this has turned south. So that episode um, was scary for like the whole like the worshiping of ideologies and religious figureheads, but it was also deeply concerning because of the amount of raw chicken and eggs. The eggs, uh, it. What's the symbolism there? What, what is it trying to tell me? Because it, so, it's provoking something with raw chicken.
1: So a neat little tidbit here is uh, only in America and Canada, eggs actually have their wax coating removed. So therefore they have to be refrigerated. I do not know this. Yes. If you actually go over to like UK, Germany, yeah, uh, Spain, Africa, Japan, China, all of that. They generally actually leave their eggs with a waxy coating over it. Is wax
0: coating like something that comes naturally after being laid? Yes. And so ours
1: go through like a cleaning process and yeah, like a steaming washing they removed, process? They remove that, uh, that oh, coating. don't okay. I but they know leave this. it everywhere else because it's not harmful. And it actually keeps. And in fact, if you have those eggs, mm-hmm. uh, you can actually keep them for like months and months and months unrefrigerated. And all you have to do is occasionally turn them. Really? Yep. You just got to flip them back upside down. I did not know. Where can I get these waxy eggs? Uh, Well, if you get them fresh from farmers or uh, Hutterites, actually. (laughs) Hutterites. Hutterites. Yeah. So uh, Mm. when it comes to the chicken, the reason why they did this, uh, well, my theory of why they did this is because this episode actually came out a little bit after the previous one. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to remind everybody, hey, look, this show is something that you should feel a little uneasy with. Uh, (laughs) So they did so. Uh, on that note, they did a very good job.
0: Uh, there was, it was like I said, it was entertaining, and I wanted to keep watching it. But there was a constant unease. Like it, it was just good writing. Like they know what would
1: disturb people on certain levels, all the while trying to tell the story. Right? Yeah, and they're doing it very, very mildly. Mm. Like it's not. It's not like you're watching somebody get their head bashed in. Exactly. It's. It's just like I think the best way to put this would be. I think this is what it would feel like to have OCD mm-hmm. and have somebody move something of yours. Oh, uh, I think it's a little
0: above and beyond that. <laughs> well, maybe constantly moving it around. And you're always looking to fix it, but you can't, you can never
1: quite catch up. Or like you can't find what's wrong. You because can't find you what's wrong. You know what's wrong yeah. because it doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. But something's just a little bit out of square. And, you, and it, it's, it's a dreadful because you have to fix it. You have to change it. You feel like you got to mm-hmm. do this, but you don't know what was wrong. And maybe
0: you can't fix it because it's, again, it's the loss of agency. Whenever I found myself identifying with these characters, I
1: I felt bad for them. It was their loss of control. So the characters' names uh, that were given to them are Red for the red guy. Yep. Yellow for the yellow guy. Yeah. And Duck.
0: And Duck. (laughs) Yep. Duck who looks a little bit more like a crow. Yeah, yeah. I I totally agree with you on that. (laughs) Um, Does the Duck have some sort of... Metaphor for the raw chicken. Like they're both like birds that people eat, you know, people eat ducks, people eat chickens. Do you think there was some sort of metaphor with that? Like,
1: um, there, in, in the religion episode was it a sense of, there is a, a metaphor with the duck mm-hmm. and it's not fully explained and shown. Right. Uh, but the duck is seen reading a newspaper and unfortunately with the TV we watched it on, you probably couldn't read what that newspaper was. Right. It's called the right wing. Oh, <laughs> so he is a right winged bird, Oh, which means he is right winged politically. Right. So it is kind of poking fun at the Republicans and stuff like the, the, uh, the right of center. Yeah. You know, the fact that he sees this butterfly and swats it and says pesky bee. You know, it's, he doesn't know the difference. Uh, (laughs) There is some hidden stuff in that, but, uh, no, there's nothing really with the chicken and the duck yet. Okay. All right. So what was the,
0: I know we took kind of the long way around, but what was the, uh, What was the symbolism of the raw chicken again?
1: Well, it's just there to, uh, just to make you feel a little uncomfortable. A little
0: uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It it
1: just wants to remind you that this, this isn't your kid's show. This is something that you need to pay attention to. I mean, let's be honest. Most of the shows that I watch are Mm -hmm. things you have to pay a lot of attention to because the devil's in the details. Mm -hmm. And I really like that about a lot of media. I don't Mm. want media to be able to hold my hand and carry me through and say, this is wrong. I want my media to make me dig into it and understand it. Like if I read, I'd probably love Lovecraftian books because that's kind of what he does with Lovecraftian and cosmic horror Mm. is he makes you want to find out more. Mm. And that's kind of his ideology behind madness is there's very much a... An overwhelming desire to figure out and understand it more and understand the unknown more.
0: And hence the reason why, even though it's so uncomfortable to watch, you still want to keep watching it and you wish there was more episodes. Exactly.
1: That's uh, uh, that's
0: Lovecraftian Madness for you. Lovecraftian Madness. It is a quandary. Like, it's so many con- conflicting emotions. Like, on one hand, it's opening up your eyes. And you're like, wow, that, that's a really good point. That's a, some good social commentary. But then on other points, you're like, no, I don't like it.
1: I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's making your yeah. subconscious and your conscious argue. Mm. And in a sense, it kind of makes people grow a little bit, depending <laughs> if you've seen it or not, or if you figure these things out with yourself. Some people do. Some people never do. It's mm. just the way it is. Oh, and by the way...
0: Uh, I found out the true meaning of the raw chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Yes. So we are products of evolution, and we've made it this far in life by uh, not eating salmonella-covered chicken. So somewhere deep in our lizard brain, we think to ourselves, like, Ew, raw food, that'll kill me. So the writers have tapped in on something that's... You know, obviously no one's going to eat raw chicken from a basket, right? But the fact that they show you such blatant, constant images of raw chicken... Um, makes us feel gross on,
1: because somewhere deep down inside, we you know, like, eating raw chicken makes me sick. Gross. So yeah, it's, you're it, seeing it, you're reminded, oh, this will make me sick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I
1: feel like they do that in so many other little metaphors. Like, yeah, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, let's move on to the next episode here. Episode four, the gang plays a board game and they start wondering if there's an easy way to learn about the world. The computer then awakens and shows them all the things a computer can solve.
0: Also an episode that starts out very innocent, starts out very nice. It's happy puppets playing something. Again, it's, you know, it's preaching some sort of moral, like, oh, what a lovely place where everyone hangs out and plays lovely board games together, and they're enriching themselves. So right off the bat, like the other episodes, it gives you
1: a feeling of peace and safety and tranquility. And... It delays it a little. It delays it a little bit. They, they, they go to turn and look at the, the globe and they say, hey, you know, we should, uh, we should, you should tell us about our thing. And then they repeat themselves going like, come on, this is your cue. You should be doing this. <laughs> uh, this is where they're starting to play with the fourth wall a little. Mm. uh you know they're showing that sure this is a show and this is you know we need to talk about this and then of course the computer chimes in cuts them off and starts going through their his little bit
0: you know when i first watched that i thought actually i took a different take on it where i thought the kids were or thought all the puppets uh red yellow and duck duck (laughs) i thought that they were just incredibly apathetic or lazy like, wow, we, if only we could know more, and they stare at the globe. If only we could find out a way to learn about the Earth, and they stare at the globe. But none of them gets off their feet, goes over and looks at it, and starts picking it up. So I thought that was some sort of
1: metaphor or play on um, the amount of apathy that people have. It's true. Uh, yeah. That could definitely be gleaned from it, and I'm not going to argue that against that at all. Yeah. Um, but I will say that uh, the whole idea behind this show is that it is sort of mocking children's shows. Mm. And that's why they use that platform of the child show. Right. So, when watching it, we are supposed to be taught something, and the messages do get pretty jumbled up. Um, Another interesting thing in here is we learn about Yellow's father. Uh, I don't know if you know this, and I can't wait to see the expression on your face. But what do you think about Roy? Roy? uh, Was that Yellow's father? Yes. Roy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. does Roy remind you of Ernie or Bert a little bit from Sesame <laughs> yeah, yeah. Street? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost yeah. almost like um, Bert grew up and lost his job. and used to have one too many drinks and had a wife and a kid at one point, but lost it all, and he's not really close to his kids anymore. And, um, again, like many aspects of the show, Roy was a little bit disconcerting. Was Roy trying to steer his son on a path at one point where he, he was trying to save him almost? Like I, he was disturbing to look at, but I can't quite remember what his, his
1: role was in that show as far as steering people away from stuff. So Roy is actually the primary backer of the show. And uh, when we get into the later episodes, we'll kind of clear this up a little more. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll just continue on. We'll get there. So, of course, they get kind of stuck in an information loop of what the computer is for. Yes. Sorry, I totally uh, went off a different tangent after the, the computer appears. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they learn a little bit about it. And uh, it's good for the three things. Graphs, you know, data being shoved into your face, digital <laughs> yeah. style, and digital dancing. you know uh, entertainment and information is basically what it's for i don't know have you ever heard of bo burham's uh welcome to the internet uh no no No, i haven't it's a beautiful song that basically encapsulates this whole episode Mm -hmm. it's about just as long and it's another great disturbing hit maybe i'll show you afterwards i would Um, like to listen to that it's it's great Mm. but uh let's carry on to the next episode here Okay. Episode 5. Yellow Guy and Duck are planning to make a meal, but something seems off. Before they can figure out what it is, they're surrounded by various talking foods that try to explain how to be healthy. Yeah, so what was this episode a play on?
0: Um, Like, the food graph or the food charts?
1: Yeah, this is, uh, you know, every Sesame Street or every children's show did talk about one of the most important things that the world thought of, which is... How much food should you be eating of what, and what is the proper portions of what? Yes,
0: how much food, when you should
1: be eating it, and how you should have it in each meal. Now, and what makes your teeth turn gray? <laughs> what makes your teeth turn gray? <laughs> and the healthiness of aspic. <laughs> aspic. When I saw the aspic, I was reminded of like
0: when I was a little kid in 1986, and my grandma would make like an aspic. And she would have, like, all these weird suspended bits of, like, different fish. Sometimes it'd be an aspic. Sometimes ham. Sometimes there'd be, like, an aspic beef. Sometimes there would just be weird coleslaw suspended in aspic. So, again, I saw the aspic. It was like, ugh! <laughs> and, like, I tasted it. It was gross. It is beautiful, isn't aspic it? Aspic is the weirdest... <laughs> And the most disturbing food. And I can't believe Aspic was like a culinary trend in like the 60s and 70s. I can't believe my grandmother had multiple Aspic dishes. Like she could set up weird food set in gelatin, poured into cake molds and serve per- perfectly. And I seem to remember it was always eaten up. Like I don't know if my dad loved it or my cousins loved it. If maybe it was good, I just looked at Aspic as like, oh, that's disturbing. So of course, don't hug me, I'm scared. Would somehow integrate Aspic food into its into one of its shows I, again with all the other foods, which is I guess just kind of a rip or kind of a take on the American food guide or the Canadian food guide and. This is, you should be having this much corn a day, and you should be having this much fructose syrup a day, and you should be having this much
1: milk a day. Well, that, that's just it. One of the things that isn't really understood about the uh, food guide is it was heavily influenced by farmers, agriculturalists, and uh, basically the cattle industry. Oh, yeah. So they did actually do a lot of uh, persuading the cattle industry specifically mm-hmm. for people to drink milk. Yes. So they have a whole section of it that's like, oh, you should have milk and dairy products when that actually is not necessary in fact most people are actually allergic to milk and cheese and they shouldn't have it yeah lactose intolerance is something that we're supposed to wean yourself off of it in fact cows are intentionally kept from their mothers to stop them from having the milk and start eating grass right and people are actually very similar in that sense so I disagree I'm not like a cow I cannot just eat grass all day once I'm weaned off the milk (laughs) damn it become vegetarian (laughs) become vegetarian (laughs)
0: vegetarian just eat the grass all day steven yes no i want to eat the cow
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i totally agree with you on that
0: so the whole food episode was 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 interesting i think that was like my least um that one was disturbing but it didn't disturb me on a level as much as the other ones even though it had the aspic uh they raised a good point when they talked about the overly complicated food guide And it was really interesting how they slowly turned a good lesson, like it's important to eat healthy, into a corporate message, like message of it's not important to eat healthy. You have to eat these foods because we're telling you, and we're the big agricultural lobbyist groups.
1: So are you starting to figure out what this show is about now?
0: Yes, yes, I'm starting to see uh, the broader message of social awareness and um, lobbying, lobbying (laughs) and being. So strongly advertised to you that it changes your opinion on things. Maybe it's like a warning
1: of a warning to that. Well, if a lie told enough, becomes the truth, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's... Uh, w- there is one thing that's actually missing from this episode. Wait, and wait. it is beautifully touched on by the telephone. Do you know what it was? Ah, uh, the
0: telephone. Hold on. Before we change topics, can we talk about what food makes your teeth turn gray?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: what is the food that makes your teeth turn grey?
1: Oh, those uh, terrible soil foods, like carrots and beets. <laughs> carrots and beets. <laughs>
0: don't eat those things.
1: Oh, and don't forget about your needlessly complex foods. Yes. You're going to slow your body down with all that detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was a beautifully messed up it, thing, it wasn't was a good it? It was an
0: episode. It was funny because I'm a ter- I have a terrible diet. I eat a lot of processed foods. Uh, like I eat a lot of like, well, I don't know. Like Welcome like, to lower class, my friend. Yeah, lower <laughs> class. I lower class. Eat like a lot, a lot of pastas, a lot of breads, a lot of like sandwiches. So I guess like there's a lot of processed things that I eat, right? Uh, I do eat a lot of veg vegetables and meats and unprocessed things, but um, it's funny because I love processed stuff. You know what some of my favorite food is? What craft dinner and hot dogs. Craft oh, dinner and hot dogs with a little bit of ketchup
1: on the side. It's so processed. It's processed cheese. It's processed pasta. It's processed meat. You are it's, speaking my language, man. It's so good. So
0: so that's what's good about this episode. It kind of brings awareness to these carefully engineered and manufactured foods that appeal to all your your base levels. Um, like, mm, it's so good, but it's probably terribly bad for you. You'd probably be much better off eating unprocessed food, right? Yeah, like Aspec. <laughs> like aspect <laughs> Like weird meat suspended in jellies, poured upside down into cake pans. I, I would like to see if you could actually find an asp. Of course you can in this day and age. But I'd like to see if you could find one in like an old cookbook that you'd buy from Goodwill or maybe your mom's or your grandma's cookbook. Like hmm, an aspic, and see what see what goes into it. Like it must be it must be gelatins. I'm sure there's like oxo cubes.
1: Different types of shredded meats. (laughs) I have to look it up. What is aspect? Because honestly, I've never had it. Oh (laughs) god, it's aspect. It's awful. It's it's so visually
0: disturbing. Like, and I look at it, and I'm like, (laughs) hell no! It's like there's no way I'm eating that. And if I think about actually like putting some on my plate. And slowly pushing my fork into it and moving towards my mouth, I'm just like, oh,
1: oh, it's aspic, A S P I C, yeah, yeah. It is aspic. aspic or meat jelly is a savory gelatin <laughs> made of meat stock or broth set in a mold to encase other ingredients. <laughs> These yeah. often include pieces of meat, <laughs> seafood, vegetables, or egg. Suspended shredded meat. <laughs> Aspect is also referred to as Aspect jelly, G-E-L-E with the little thing tick over the top E. Yeah. Or Aspect Jelly.
0: Now is the gelatin that you use I'm going to guess you're not buying like regular Jello from the store. You must be using like a beef gelatin like a natural gelatin to yeah, suspend and
1: set that. They must be like boiling the bones until they turn into a yeah. jelly.
0: And I'm sure you can just buy the jelly at the store already but I'm sure it's Condensed beef
1: gelatin. (laughs) Or chicken, I guess you might go get chicken.
0: Wouldn't it be funny if aspic was actually like a really healthy good food? (laughs) That's like it's got nothing but boiled meats. (laughs) Is aspic terrible for you?
1: It's a great source of collagen and helps support bone, teeth, and joint health. It's naturally whole 30, keto, paleo, and GAPS diet compliant. Oh my
0: god, what if those got one on the show? What if Aspic is not terrible for
1: you? It's just, it's just visually disturbing. I think they're just going for the visually disturbing. What? Well, because watch, I have
0: to watch that episode again because they were portraying Aspic as disgusting, which it is. No, no, they said it was good for you, but in an ironic way, right?
1: Are they? Most certainly. See, that's the whole point of this uh, this series. Is it's supposed to make you think: what is right, what is wrong, and make you second guess yourself and a lot of people do not like it making themselves get second guessed. personally i live being second guessing myself all the time because i have adhd mm. so i'm always like oh i'm probably wrong and tell me i'm right or show me the right way i'm okay with this mm. and i absolutely hate it when people say don't do this because then my brain gets rid of the don't and it's like do this and now i have to stop me like wait is that what i'm supposed to do no i don't remember I'm doing this wrong now. What am I? I'm confused. Hmm. So uh, necessarily, is it good for you? Is it not good for you? They probably didn't like aspic, and they thought, you know what? Let's throw it in there because, because it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable, and let's make them uncomfortable with it. Yeah. What were the other foods that were good for you though? In that white scene? sauce and what? yeast. <laughs> white sauce. So let's, let's move on and talk about uh, what was missing from this 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 episode. Jeez,
0: man. I might have to watch the episode a few more times before I can think about what was missing from it. I was spending a lot of time just taking a lot of it in <laughs> and playing catch-up. Well, um. speaking of
1: catch-up, there's was Red. <laughs> Red was not in that episode until the very end, and they showed him walking away from the phone booth because he was trying to call in to see how his friends were doing. Mm. Now, this is actually a reference to Blue's Clues uh, because the lead... From Blue's Clues. I don't remember his name because I never really watched I it. I
0: believe, according to my nephew, it was Steve,
1: Steve. From, from Blue's Clues. Okay, yeah, there we go. So I've it's... never seen
0: it other. Uh, wow, either,
1: what, a, but... what a strange... Okay, this was not planned that I would be talking <laughs> to Steve and this happened. Wow. <laughs> now, just to be fair, I want to remind our viewers, this is not that Steve from Blue's Clues. <laughs> I am not Steve from Blue's Clues, or am I? Okay. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Don't tell all of our 20 listeners this. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Okay, so Red was missing for
0: the whole episode. He walks away at the very end. Is this how Blue's Clues
1: ended? Well, Blue's Clues, uh, Steve actually left the, uh, the house because mm-hmm. he wanted to go do something else. Now, there is a rumor that he went and joined the, uh, the Marine Corps. I don't think that's true i think mm-hmm. it's just a rumor and uh they brought somebody else in and they continued the show for a while uh mm-hmm. but recently actually he came out and talked to everybody on i think it was tiktok just saying like hey you know i hope you guys are doing well it's been a while i haven't talked to you since uh, the last episode of blues clues and mm-hmm. i want to remind you guys keep doing what you love and be kind to each other it was oh. a it was a very cute uh i don't want to use the term cute it's a very uh, respectable, sincere message. Yeah, a nice message. Yeah. And it actually made a
0: lot of people cry. Really? Well, how many years has it been off the air for? Lots.
1: Like, over ten.
0: Oh, so, like, it's all these, like, 20 to 30 year old, not 20 to 30-year-olds, but, like, all these 18 to 25-year-olds that grew up with Blue's Clues. Yeah, I think so. that, yeah. that sounds about right to
1: me. Yeah, okay. Remember what happened to Duck at the end of this episode? Because I saw you writing it. I don't know if you caught what was going on.
0: Uh, what did I read? My notes from this, Miles, include um, puppets in purgatory, <laughs> expounds, on the, expounds on the feelings of helplessness.
1: Uh, remind me what happens to Duck at the end of this episode. So Duck, of course, is freaking out because of everything that's going on. And he knows that something is wrong, but he doesn't know what it is. Right, right, right. Uh, this what? is always yeah. Yeah. This is what is happening also with Red. Red is finding out the stuff. He was banging on the computer and that, going like, Stop this, stop this. This isn't right. You're not supposed to be here. We're supposed to be doing something else. Mm-hmm. The script has been changed on him.
0: Oh and he
1: wasn't informed of this. Right. Now Duck is in sort of the same situation. I'm pretty sure Yellow is as well. Mm-hmm. Now Duck answers the phone the first time mm-hmm. and he wakes up. Down to a chair, watching this the episode, mm. and there's something eating, and it's actually eating him. And then as it continues, mm-hmm. they keep showing this again with silence, and a, well, not necessarily silence, but that ominous in the background, right? And uh, this uh, this can is actually eating duck, oh. and then at the end of it, it shows yellow. In the kitchen, alone, in the dark, stuffed gore all over him. Because he ate Duck? Is that what they're showing you? Not necessarily him, but it's implied. Mm, Nice and disturbing. (laughs) Yeah. Is that the episode with all of uh, Duck's guts that you saw?
0: Uh, So what's the symbolism there? Like, why why is Duck being consumed by society, and why is his buddy consuming them? Because that's just the way things are?
1: Pretty much.
0: It's like, well, it's just it's, kind of a
1: dog-eat-dog dog world out there. Yeah, you. Uh, when you think about it, corporations employ people to do their bidding for them, whether it's make things, mm-hmm. account for things, sell things. And at the end of the day, they are consumed just as much as they produce and things to be consumed.
0: Because to have processed foods in
1: society, you have to process some people. Yep. People have to be there to
0: do it. People and animals get processed (laughs) in one way or another. Yep. And produce
1: our processed foods. I mean, when you think about it, how much free time do we get from our jobs?
0: Uh, The minority of our life. like, Well, I guess once you include
1: weekends in there, you you have maybe 60% of your life away from away from work. The rule of thumb is you spend 30% of your life working, 30% of your life asleep. Yeah. that leaves you with a third. Yeah. So if you take out the one third of your life that's sleeping, Mm -hmm. because you're not really sentient, I guess you could say from that, uh, they say half of your life is working. Mm -hmm. Now, personally, I think that doesn't include school. (laughs) It doesn't feel like that includes school uh if you ask me maybe it's just because i work all the time and i'm always on call i'm expecting a call to go work yeah uh i feel like i work all the time i don't feel like i get very much time off <laughs> i just want to go out and hunt man <laughs> yeah you just want to go to the woods yeah so uh, this
0: is again a metaphor for like, you work all your whole life and you work hard and spend half your life working and then you just slowly get processed and Life changes and it's confusing and this isn't what you signed up for. This isn't the world that you thought. And poor right-wing duck eventually just gets consumed by the society he helped build. Yeah. Ooh, again,
1: kind of depressing. <laughs> like a lot of this show. Okay, uh, let's talk about episode six now. So in episode six, Yellow guy's all alone and scared. But he tries to go to sleep. The lamp awakens and sings to him about how dreams work. Meanwhile, red guy wakes up at an office job and talks about singing dancing objects. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the yellow guy, right off the bat, uh,
0: again has no control or agency over what he is experiencing and what his reality is. Yep. He tries to go to sleep and the lamp just keeps waking him up in a few fum- humorous and kind voice of Wake up! Don't you go to sleep! And at the same time, the message is kind of horrifying. Like, what if you were so tired you couldn't go to sleep? And just another one of these modern distractions kept waking you up and waking you up and waking you up. I don't know if that's a metaphor for anxiety or tablets or cell phones. um, I think all three works. (laughs) Yeah, I I think all three work. Uh, It was... It was pretty disturbing what happened to uh, the yellow guy at the beginning there, and then it starts to coalesce with all these themes you had seen from earlier episodes, right? Like the time, the scary, the scary clock time. Uh, that's theme.
1: because uh, that's because the red guy realized that there was a problem, and he's mm-hmm. trying to fix it, but he doesn't know how the machine works because he sees his friend is in distress, yes, and he wants to help him, mm-hmm. but. Then we actually get something that happens, and it kind of coalesces with the dream of Red Guy. Mm. So Red Guy, or Red, Mm -hmm. is actually the creator of this show. Yes, you're referring to the part where
0: uh, he suddenly goes to Red Guy working in an office with other Red Guys, which we're made to believe are just regular people working in an office. Yeah. Yeah, and we see Red Guy as being introduced as a creator. And, uh, he goes
1: up in front of uh, a perf- uh, onto a stage hmm wait before
0: that he's in the office and he's trying to convince his co-workers about silly little asinine things that are funny and everyone just looks at him like he's not funny
1: <laughs> that would sound yeah. boring that
0: sounds boring that's a stupid idea uh, I thought that represented like a fear of a fear of ridicule and sharing creatively Um... There's, I think there's a lot of artistic people out there who have interesting things to share, interesting things to say. It might have even been a metaphor for the writer's own journey of working in a, a shitty office one day at a job he hated and uh, trying to tell his co-workers, like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if this file was talking here? I'm Mr. Stapler. So just asinine, silly little funny things. Um, and then repeatedly being beaten down by everyone in the office verbally, Right. So what does he do? He goes to the amateur, you're made to believe it's like an amateur comedy show, right? So he goes to the comedy show and, well, why don't you take it from here? How successful is he?
1: Well, nobody liked it. Nobody well, liked it. not nobody. Everybody except for Roy. hmm So the theory is mm-hmm. Roy backed the company. He found the people to invest in it. Mm-hmm. To make this dream happen. And all he really wanted was to have his kid on the show.
0: Whoa. I had not looked at it like that before.
1: <sighs>
0: Roy Roy is Yellow Guy's dad, right?
1: Yep. <sighs> now, when you think about that, Red Guy's trying to save Yellow Guy because Yellow Guy's in distress and that, that's the right thing to do. He doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to help him. Right, and he's strength. hitting the buttons trying to get this mm-hmm. lamp to stop talking and... Trying to make introduced... the madness end. Yeah, and more madness happens, and it's it's freaking him out, and he's just trying to stop it. Right. And then we see the hand and arm come out of the fog. Yes, and slowly to... start to guide things. Well, he tries to touch Roy, and mm-hmm. there's two different theories. The one theory is like, you know, I know what you're doing is, is scary, and you're trying to help continue. Mm-hmm. Or the other side of it is, what are you doing? I thought you wanted this show. Mm. so what ends up happening he notices on the side of the machine the power cord and walks over and goes to pull it and he looks at the camera one last time breaking the fourth wall and says i wonder what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and he pulls the plug he pulls Mm -hmm. the funding from it because he no longer wants this because the advertisement has infiltrated his show and changed his message Oh. which has happened a lot in media right. one of my favorite examples of this is actually a movie i try to watch every single year but i missed it last year thanks to covid mm-hmm. i watch it on the 5th of november
0: groundhog's day
1: oh no sorry that's no, sorry, no, no,
0: no. sorry sorry i oh, just scratch that back
1: it up <laughs> that's uh, it. i'm leaving that one in fifth,
0: no you're taking <laughs> take that one out no it
1: stays in okay oh, <laughs>
0: I thought you were going to say the 5th of Remember, February. remember,
1: the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. The guy Fox Day? Yeah. I see no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Oh. This was the introduction to an interesting movie and comic known as V for Vendetta. Yes. So, when he pulls the plug from this and removes all the funding, we mm. are then reintroduced to the show... Yes. And uh, a very important thing pops up, and that is the day of June 19th. Ah. Now, June 19th, it is believed that they are referring to June 19th, 1955, which is the day the UK decided to allow advertising on TV. hmm And that's helped advertisement companies alter what is allowed and what isn't allowed on TV because they don't want their program or their product to be portrayed in a negative light yeah they don't want it to be yeah. attached to this stuff it's not what we represent
0: right so it's it's the beginning of um mass marketing like shot directly into your brain from different media advice
1: uh, devices it's it's more about how marketing maintains a certain status quo yeah and doesn't allow the creativity of the producers Mm. we introduce these shows and talk about them because nobody's heard about them Mm -hmm. and they do have some pretty good messages and a lot of them are unfiltered. Mm -hmm. And when I say unfiltered, they're not modified by investors because investors want to see a status quo and make sure that they get their money out of it. Mm -hmm. It's the reason why I don't really like a lot of Marvel movies. It's the same thing. They've shown it over and over. Sure. It might be a little darker. It might be a little deeper, but it never really asks a big question that hasn't, hasn't really been all that ignored.
0: I feel like it's,
1: uh, it's, it's
0: unlike anything that's really that popular. Um, It's unlike popular mainstream stuff. And again, it's probably because it's, it's not well-funded and it's not jammed down our throats. It was done by someone. So do we know the name of the writer? Becky Sloan and Joseph Pelling. So these writers like did they did they fund this themselves? Did they have very little financial backing? Was there any big studios that helped them on this? Uh, and is like it was it was a great show. Um, it was very thought provoking, uh, but it didn't seem to have any any big money behind it,
1: right? They produced the first episode uh, in their free time with no budget. Okay. After the short film gained some popularity, they decided to revisit it. And uh, Channel 4's Random Acts commissioned this, the second episode. Hmm. And after that, they actually turned down offers because they wanted to keep it fairly odd and yeah. had the freedom to do exactly what they wanted. So hmm. they actually initiated a Kickstarter mm-hmm. and they got about 3,500 pounds.
0: Yeah. Well, 3,500 pounds, it's like seven grand. <laughs> oh, wait. Actually, actually no,
1: that, that's wrong. <laughs> a 12-year-old boy tried to use a hacked credit card and... To donate 3,500 pounds. Okay. Uh, Kickstarter goal of 96,000 pounds was reached and a total of 104 or 105,000 pounds was raised. Okay. It's quite a bit of money. It is
0: quite a bit of money. I'm, I'm wondering if ever at any time on the BBC or on TV in Great Britain or anywhere you could watch this show um, or if it's all streaming and it's all
1: internet. But It again. was all Vimo. Yeah. which is basically YouTube yeah, and YouTube. Okay. And yeah. again, they wouldn't put it on those shows because to do so. Yeah. You have to fit it into the box. Right. And if you don't fit in that box, they're not going to allow it. Or you're not just, you're not going to get any supporters or financial backers or advertisers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So they don't want to do that. They want to, this is sort of a, uh, a kickback to the, Hey, yeah. don't do this.
0: Yeah. Although, I would like to know how much money they make from YouTube each year, regarding how many
1: people watch that show. <laughs> I mean, it has 25 million views, which mm. is nothing to to be shy about. That's quite a bit.
0: Yeah. It was, like I said, it was a good show, but it, it was horrifying and, and disconcerting to watch in many parts. Yeah. I, I do like the overall message of um, the, the day that you had mass advertising was allowed to shape your influences and... Tell you what to think about religion and tell you what to think about food and tell you what to think about love and tell you what to think about oil.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny you say that because actually just a few days ago, my dad and I were talking about how, uh, like, I don't watch TV anymore. I don't have cable. And my dad's like, why don't you have cable? And I said, because I don't want to watch ads. I don't want to see that stuff. He's like, well, then how do you know what you want to buy? And I'm like, (laughs) I will go ask people who are there dealing with it and learn from them. Like the best way to find out what kind of car you want to buy is by a mechanic. Mm -hmm. Because if you go buy a car, you might find out that, oh, this car is very expensive to repair because mechanics hate working on them. (laughs) Yeah. Where parts are very difficult to get. Right. So, you know, it's the same thing with like you and I worked selling firearms. Mm hmm. So what's the best person to go talk to about buying a firearm? Somebody who deals with them. They're going to kind of show you, hey, look, these are good. These are better. These are best. Right. You don't need best. (laughs) You don't need best, but don't buy the 770s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I guess in that sense, you wouldn't be told what to buy. You would think about what you need first before going up to look for something. You don't need to watch commercials, and be like, you know what? Maybe I should get a new power saw. You know what? Maybe I should. I should get ask that my doctor about Viagra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting because I don't like being told what to buy either, which is probably why I don't have cable either.
1: <laughs> See, I uh, I actually kind of uh, I was reminded of this episode because new episodes are planning to come out in September, mm-hmm. and uh, I rewatched it, and Red Guy does remind me of you a little bit.
0: Uh, because of one,
1: one small aspect of your life yeah, uh, that we talked about when you moved down to Calgary and yeah. uh, you worked in insurance and then yeah. you left it. You weren't happy yeah. doing that. I was not. I worked in a, in a call center with cubicles
0: and being on the phone all day. And Oh my I, God, this is Red Guy. <laughs> this is Red Guy. And riding a train for like an hour and a half to get to work and then riding a train for an hour and a half to get home and uh it was a awful awful existence and uh i I thought they showed rad guys sadness and desperation of working in that office i thought they did that really well because i've i've worked at shitty jobs and offices and thought to myself like uh wouldn't it be funny if some ninjas jumped in through the roof right now and where would i go and what if that goose broke into the building right now would not that be great (laughs) And essentially,
1: not being present and thinking about everything but work. Oh, and aspect. Try not to think about aspect. Oh, aspect. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to ask you again Would you recommend the show to others?
0: Mm, that's a hard, hard question for me to answer. Um, by the end, I, I, I wanted there to be more episodes, I wanted to keep watching it. Um, but the, the discomfort level was so high watching the show. So, if you're somebody who likes to feel something, like when they watch a show, or they watch a movie, like you're, fa- you're a psychopath in your favorite movies, or like Requiem for a Dream or something, and you like disturbing things, and you like stuff that evokes an emotional response, or maybe you like the movie Mother. <laughs> Mother was a great movie. Yeah, the well, one, yeah. Ugh. So it was, Like, it was a hard movie. It, is, but it hard was a hard movie, yeah. So if you like, emo- evokes a very strong emotional response, or, you know, you like deep stuff, or you like off-the-wall asinine humor, then you should, you should definitely watch the show. Um, if you don't like watching things that make you uncomfortable, and maybe you just kind of like anime and kitty cats, you should not watch the show. Because if, if you already think, like, watching The Office is too awkward
1: because of the circle of embarrassment... You will not like this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you actually mentioned The Office because uh, I'm trying to convince Cameron right now to watch Modern Family. Uh, he didn't like The Office very much, but I think he would like Modern Family because of some of the stuff he I, we talked about that he finds funny. Uh,
0: well, maybe. Like, it's more of a traditional uh, comedy Modern Family, right? Like, uh... The Office is very... Like, you know, I think
1: they're both single camera, no laugh track, awkward comedy, but... It's referred to as a mockumentary, because it's like a documentary, but it's not really. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, let's get back onto it. Uh, What did you think about the production of this?
0: Uh, It was simple, but effective. It was not overly produced. It wasn't a million dollar budget, uh, but they got the point across really well. It didn't look cheap at any point. Um, and I guess once you really look into it, it's a little bit easier to see. Like I said, I didn't get that. The amount of, was it, allusions? <laughs> what it was, it was alluding to uh, throughout it. I thought it was just a show that was designed to make you feel uncomfortable. And uh, it is. It, absolutely, it is. absolutely is. It absolutely um, is. It's like from the raw chicken to the aspect, to the drowning in oil, to the l- losing of your agency and not being able to sleep, and not being able to have
1: control. And deal of your with life time and, and like being time. told that your creativity is not right. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it's very disturbing. It's very unsettling. Yeah. and that's because it wants to show you something that that look, there is something wrong with society, mm-hmm. and we keep getting turned away from it. Yeah. And unfortunately, in order to grow, sometimes you got to do those things that you don't like. Mm, yeah. Like you got to look quit at it. Quit your
0: office job and go do stand-up. And
1: <laughs> you know, you should at least find something that makes you happy. Yeah. <laughs> because life is short. Uh, true,
0: true. We didn't get to the end, though, where uh, he guides him over towards the big plug.
1: Uh, he wasn't guided over to the plug. Uh, Red found the plug. He found the plug. And he pulled it. And he says... I wonder what will happen now. Yeah, I wonder what will happen next. And he pulls the plug. And then if you look, the characters are changed. They're all the colors that they said that they thought were creative or that they liked.
0: Uh, I noticed they all changed colors, but I didn't know it was to what
1: their colors they were talking about. It was a very subtle thing. And then on top of that, another neat thing is uh, the background isn't as cluttered. There isn't as much stuff Mm. because he doesn't have that financial backing that he used to. Mm -hmm. And he's doing his own thing. Which means that when, uh, when you hear that song, uh, the creative song, mm-hmm. it does feel a little unsettling to start. But if you remember back what the song he was doing on stand-up, mm-hmm. he was singing his creative song. Right. And it was going to be his script. But of course, it got changed. And mm-hmm. he was probably unaware of this change, but carried on, yeah. just like in the last couple episodes. And he started to look around and be like, hey, this isn't right. We need to do something different. Mm -hmm. and like you know like what's going on like i i didn't we're supposed to be talking to the globe not the computer (laughs) so
0: you know i thought when he uh pulled the plug and i'll I'll admit i was pretty high when i was watching this
1: (laughs) yeah you kind of have to be yeah yeah. (laughs) unless you're me
0: (laughs) when i was watching i was like am i glad i'm high right now or am i wish i wasn't high right now in hindsight i think I wish I wasn't high because it was so messed up. You didn't need to be high to watch that, which is probably why you watch stuff like this. Cause you don't do drugs or alcohol, but you watch stuff like this. Uh, but I first thought when he unplugged everything and everything, all, everything had slightly changed. It was almost like he, he ended everything and he ended the madness and then unplugged and regained control, but just found himself in a very similar universe where, Things were slightly different, but I don't know if overall things were really
1: going to change that much for him. But you know what? They proved that things were going to change because the date changed from July nine or June nineteenth to June twentieth. Oh, in that last scene. Yep. Yeah. Ah, what does that symbolize? Things are getting better. Well, they're not stuck in that loop mm. because he decided to not play by play by their rules. Right. Hence, regaining his agency. Yeah. And his control. The the creator regaining his agency and control over his product. Yeah. So, I think uh, this has gone on long enough, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode with uh, Cameron missing. Right now, he should be... Sitting in Toronto doing a concert. oh, Singing and some
0: opera, I assume?
1: Yeah, yeah, doing some opera. He I actually know. got hired on when he was down in Chicago to do some work up in uh, there. Nice. So I hijacked the podcast. I'm stealing for myself. <laughs> Welcome. Is, <laughs> Join me. Is he going to
0: come back and do any more?
1: Oh, of course. He, he'll be back yeah. uh, in a month.
0: Oh, good to and, hear. And
1: uh, we'll be in dead center of hunting season for me and yeah. scouting season for him, but we'll be doing podcasts out in the forest. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah. Well, thanks for, for now? Your,
0: uh, inviting me to be on your podcast. Uh, I've never been on a podcast before. I don't know if I want to say thank you for showing me that show, because <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to think about it as I, as I lay in bed tonight. Um, I just looked up Groundhog's Day. It's actually February 2nd, not the 5th of November, so uh, please kindly edit that out.
1: <laughs> no, it's sta- this is all stated. <laughs> uh, I'm not good at editing. For those so. of you that are
0: listening, I'm sometimes hard of hearing. <laughs> And, and uh um, yeah. we thank
1: you for listening uh, if you have any ep- anything you want to show us or you know anything you want us to talk about by all means send us a message on twitter inconceivable media uh, or red dragon media and uh find us we'll be happy to listen in and watch until then i'm miles and this has been steven and we'll see you next time who is that Time is a tool you can put
0: on the wall or wear it on your wrist. The past is far behind us, the future doesn't exist. Oh, what's the time?